0: Bonjour, mon ami. Oui, bonjour.
1: <laughs> Comment allez-vous?
0: Bien. Uh, hello, friends. Welcome to the Cray Podcast. Natalie and Kristen here. Kristen, coming at you from New York. Natalie, coming at you from Paris. <laughs> How fun.
1: Oh, what's more fun than an international podcast?
0: Man, it is so fun. It is so fun that we... Um, just a moment of gratitude that we have the technology and the world where we can continue especially during this moment in time to like continue bringing love and messages to one another, even from wherever we are. What a gift! I
1: just know that I'd get so homesick if I didn't get to see your sweet face.
0: <laughs> I'm already super struggling that I'm in Paris without you. It's like the hardest thing ever. It's like such withdrawal. <laughs> Next time,
1: if you ever go anywhere without me, I'm going to send you a little Kristen doll, like a yes. little Muppet. <gasps>
0: uh huh. With a lot
1: of hair, all the hair.
0: It's a little doll with like all this hair. Or (laughs) a chia pet.
1: Yeah, it's a total chia (laughs) pet. If any of our listeners get uh, (laughs) excited and want to create
0: this
1: (laughs) moment in time, we are we are selecting Kristen dolls.
0: (laughs) That's funny because we actually did once upon a time. I think say if anyone wants to make a T-shirt or something for us, and someone I think did, and it was so wonderful. We got Lufu hats. Lufu, I Lufu you. I Lufu you. Um, Well, welcome to the Crate Podcast, friends. This week for me is a really special episode because I wanted to interview my best friend Kristen over here about the new baby that she's given birth to, which is her incredible one-of-a-kind, very transformative poetry book that just released on Amazon this week for pre-order. And because I'm her best friend, I can tell you, it also hit number one in its category on Amazon yesterday. Well, this is what's hilarious. What? Is I think it got in the wrong
1: category because, for some <laughs> reason, it is marked under New Age reference. And I would not consider my book a New Age reference. Like me, like Poetry self-help, new thought, new age reference. I don't know how it got there, but friends, it went all the way up to number one. Now, of course, they're constantly in flux, so they're moving up and down on Amazon, but it was really exciting, and now I
0: have a number one next to my listing. Look what the universe can do. Great. Well, and I I wanted to basically talk a lot about the process because this whole podcast is about being an artist, being a creator, and learning how to take what is inside of you and bring it out into the world as a gift, as an act of service that we talk all the time about what delights you, what turns you on, what makes you happy, what makes you want to get out of bed every day. The world wants it. That's why it activates you. That's why you were incarnated out of all the possibilities. I mean, I could have come and been a butterfly and had an amazing life, but the universe needed me in this form with my specific desires and gifts and longings and when we start to say yes to those things as opposed to listen to the the critical voice that says well why you and you're not enough and what you have to say isn't going to matter to anyone and all the things and so we're always having this conversation between the two of us and with everyone that we talk to I feel like uh, there's many many nights you and I end up at a restaurant having exactly this conversation all around the world and everyone is the same Everyone has something inside of them and everyone is scared to bring it forward and everyone needs permission to just do it. And so I would just love it. If you would just tell our listeners about your process with this, because it was so clear to me that this would be the biggest gift on the planet. And like every other creator, even you, who's a Tony nominated director, who has mountains of success under your belt, who spends your life inspiring others to do their work. Even you found yourself in the same creative circle of resistance and joy and excitement and fear and all the things. So I just thought it'd be so powerful for us to like talk through the process of it, if you don't mind. I would love to.
1: Well, it starts with me being a little girl and just loving to write, loving to write my feelings down, loving to connect with my feelings through words. And I remember when I was a little girl, my dad was getting his master's in literature. When he he tucked me in uh, to bed at night, he would read to me poems and short stories. And he had such a love of it. And I remember finding his poetry in his desk, like snooping around and being like, oh, my dad writes poetry too. So it felt like a way to connect with him. And just having this desire as a little kid to get my voice out that way. And then, oh, definitely when I got into junior high, I had this teacher named Mr. Swift, who I showed him one of my poems. And he said, can I share this with the class? And he read it to the entire class. I think it was called Listen. Listen. And then all the girls in my junior high, who I didn't feel connected with, and I didn't know if they liked me, it was just new school and all the things. And they said, "Oh, I write poetry too. Let me show you my poems." So it created a connection between me and these girls at my new school, and it was really exciting for me. And then, into high school, it became this private place where I'd work out a lot of my angsty high school feelings lots of unrequited crushes on boys. And, and <laughs> I remember I had a, when I was a junior, my English teacher, I showed her a bunch of my poetry and she just flipped out for it. She gave me like an A plus plus or something on when we had to like do poetry notebooks. And I, and so it became this kind of uh, secret of mine, a way of expressing myself. And there was an intimacy created with this tender part of myself there. And then cut to college. And I had another Natalie best friend and she and I would wait tables and we would write poems on the back of our customer receipts and we'd exchange them with each other. And she and I were always dating some waiter we were actually working with dating being a very (laughs) loose term and uh, writing poems about them. And so it was just something that I always did. And I found that, as I went on a spiritual journey, a lot of the bigger questions I was asking myself came into the poetry, and that when I would hit tough spots in my life that I would put them down on the page as a way of like confessing them or working them out, it became a kind of a communion uh, with a part of myself that otherwise I didn't spend a lot of time with. And I think at some point in our friendship, I just started reading them to you. And
0: I remember like, it very vividly. Yes. After the night you were at my apartment. we were sitting by my window. We were having a glass of wine together, you know, living our best life. And, and we ended up having this really like incredible, like one of those best friend talks that just goes on and on into the wee hours of the morning. It feels like, and we were deep into kind of talking about like things that scare us, things that are coming up for us. And we were talking about the changes in our lives and various things. And you said, hey, Nat, I've been um, working on some poems. Could I read you one? And I was like, oh, my gosh, what an honor. Yes. Thank you so much. Because all through our friendship, I've so been the girl who's been like, Kristen, I just did a self-tape and I want you to watch it because I think it's so good. (laughs) Only because you're really like, for me, it was like I want my mom to be proud of me. So I like, like I want like my fancy best friend director to watch my self tape and think it's great, right? But I was always in the habit of sharing all of my silly self tapes or whatever it was that I was doing, and so um, didn't uh, even think about it in any kind of way. So when you said like, oh, it would be very vulnerable for me to share, it will. It hit me of like, oh, this is really sacred. And I was like, wow, I know everything about Kristen. I mean, I have seen her in naked booty across (laughs) many countries. (laughs) We, We know everything about each other. And this piece was so intimate and so sacred that even to just share it with me after a few glasses of wine sitting by my window in my apartment was like this really intimate, sacred moment. And I just remember you like opening your computer kind of burying your head in your computer and at first just kind of reading it but it became like performance art and you Mm -hmm. were doing nothing you were just sitting and reading your own words and I think by the time you like finished your poem and looked up at my face it was like a combination of like sobbing like there was so many tears in my eyes and rage
1: It's so funny. As, the you tell, turned. as you tell the story right now, I'm finding my my eyeballs are getting all wet. Like I'm finding all this emotion <laughs> come up in me. But it's true, you got so mad.
0: <laughs>
1: and you looked at me and you were like, I'm mad at you. <laughs>
0: And I, 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 remember you, like, it was so vulnerable. It was so authentic. And then I kind of yelled at you and you just kind of like put your computer away. And you were like, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I was like, no, no, I'm so mad at you that it's this good. Like, how is it that you have this treasure, this masterpiece. It's like being best friends with Van Gogh and being like, I don't know, I made this painting about sunflowers. I don't think anyone's going to like it. Like, that's how it felt to me. And I was like, how is this sitting on your computer? And how long has it been there? And I'm so angry at you that you are so um, talented and are hiding it from the world.
1: (laughs) And at that moment, I was like, well, you know, this is just kind of something I do for me. It's not necessarily for other people. And I think that's when I said, well, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, I think you said, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and, and then I think I did confess to you that I had been getting in my meditation to do a book. Like I'll start to get visions. And it's so interesting, you know, Rob Bell will often talk about, you just do the next thing that spirit tells you is the thing to do next and you just do it and you do it without attachment and you do your best to do it without drama and you just you do the thing that you're told to do and it's really interesting because I realized that what I was actually doing was hiding by pretending that it wasn't a big deal Hmm. that I'd actually believed it wasn't a big deal like I had really convinced myself that it wasn't important, that it, was, that it truly was just for me, which is probably what makes it resonate is because I'm not doing it to impress anyone else. I'm actually just doing it, to be honest. I'm doing it to search for answers. Um, it is often very funny because I'm cracking my own self up in the process of it, which is why it can, can connect because I'm hitting that thing inside of me that is also one with everyone else it's it's true intimacy Um, and I've been thinking a lot about intimacy lately that well one of the things I realized in my own like romantic life is if I'm ever trying to protect myself then I can't truly be intimate but if I'm protecting myself then I'm not trusting that part in them that is also in me Mm -hmm. And I realized something's been going on in my, well, something was always going on in my poetry, which was that was where I practiced true intimacy with myself, which gives me then a lens of how to all the time start to be intimate with myself so that then I can be intimate in my relationships. And then I have the ability to be intimate with the world. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm no longer trying to protect myself from the world, then I can show myself. And that engenders trust because I'm trusting what is in them is also in me.
0: Mm. And I think it's so interesting because I've heard you say to so many writers who you've been working with and me included, don't write it with the thought that anyone will even ever read it. Like write it just for you. Like, this is like a, a trick. It's like a trick to make someone write because I know for myself, I've sat down to write something and gone, Oh, well, if this person would read, no, I'm not going to write that. And mm, I don't know if I like, the like, almost like thinking of the audience and thinking of trying to please the audience instead of the authentic expression as been guided to you by what you would call divine or higher power or your creative spark. That Inside of you, there's a voice that wants to be heard and it wants to be heard the way it communicates to you. Mm-hmm. And so you're actually writing it for yourself. And so whatever happens after you're finished writing it is kind of none of your business because the healing has occurred in You listening, hearing and transmitting the voice inside of you and getting into intimacy, as you said, with you. And so I do think there was something fascinating about that you so took your own note, that you so wrote it just for you, that then I I think the next thing I suggested is, oh, well, let's have people over at my house and we're going to read a bunch of them. And it was kind of like, oh no, no, <laughs> no, no, <laughs> oh. no! It's so like you had so convinced yourself that it was just for you, as a method to get it out, so pure, so honestly, so without any kind of people pleasing. That then the terror of actually putting out that must that must have felt very overwhelming. And I assume now that people are starting to pre-order, it's it can come up in that same way.
1: I also need our listeners to know that you made the most fantastic charcuterie plate for that <laughs> night when you invited people over. It was incredible. It was I all mean, class. All <laughs> class. It was all first class. Well, <laughs> well, what happened is I got really cockblocked by the universe after a while <laughs> because I was like kind of working on it sometimes, kind of, uh, and I had to get fired from every job I had yeah. I had to go through a major uh, romantic breakup and then get fired from every job that I had for me to hit my knees hard enough to go, what do you want from me? And it's, <laughs> the answer came back, maybe just put your voice in the world like I asked you to do. Mm. And I was like, Ugh, I feel like Jonah and the whale. Okay. <laughs> Except instead of going to the belly of, the, of a whale, I went to Paris last summer. Mm -hmm. And I put all of my poems together in a collection. And I think we might have talked about this on a podcast prior. We played the What If It Were Easy game. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I do have a friend that has like one of the, like, I think it's like a major poetry press in, in America, like North America. He's like, this is what he does for a living. Why don't I just call him? And I sent him the poems. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. And I was like, ah. And then I got to go through the process of putting a book together. And I got to learn so much in that process. Like making a musical or making a film, it's a birthing process. Mm. And I had such a wonderful relationship with my editor. He was great. He was the kind of teacher you hope for who keeps telling you that all the answers are inside of you. And he kept asking me really good questions that made the pieces stronger and better. And did the process of working on the cover. And it was actually my publisher who came up with the title, which is God, Sex, and Musical Theater.
0: I love that title so much.
1: And that's based off a poem that I wrote. And then once he said that, I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's absolutely the title. And then the most interesting thing that occurred was when it hit pre-launch the other day, and I shared it on... Social media. So I've talked before on this podcast of of my desire to be invisible. I have that weird Gemini thing that I think many people have, which is this incredible desire to be seen and to connect and to be real and to totally be invisible. And I do not want to make waves. It's both at the same time. Hmm. And part of the spiritual process of this last year has been, I am ready to be seen, and I am ready to be seen fully for who I am. And I think the interior fear always is, if people really see me, they're going to think I'm weird. Mm. That's like the fear. And what happened when... (laughs) Well, when... I had to announce the book was on pre-launch on social media. The first thing I did in the morning, and I think I I left you a message about this, was I was like, I'm going to do it just on Create Community first as a way of building up my muscles. And then I'm going to go work out. And then I'll come back and I'll do it on Instagram and like Facebook proper. Because I was really scared, terrified. Mm. And I had to be able to laugh at my own self being terrified, like, oh, what do you think is going to happen? What's the big fear, Kristen? And I was like, well, you can be scared, and that can be okay. There can be a place for fear here too, and we're going to put it out in the world. So I did, and the reaction was so much bigger than I thought it would be in in a positive way. Mm. It was so many people were so excited, and so many people were like, Um, I'm pre-ordering the book. So much so that yesterday when it, it hit number one, I was beside myself. But the night before, I had so many Broadway people who I think are super fancy being like, I just ordered it. I just ordered it. And that first night, I sat on my couch and I just watched panic come up in my chest. Like, really intense panic. And you know, the beginning of a panic attack, you can kind of see it coming. So you can Mm -hmm. have a conversation with it. And I could see it because what I started to imagine was, oh, these people that I never thought would read my book are going to read my book. And now they're going to have judgments about me. And what if people gossip about me? And I can't, (laughs) I think the thought I had was, oh, I might've ruined my life. I might've ruined my life by doing this. Yeah. And how how dare I talk about my most deep emotions and the most private things and my actual spirituality for everyone to see. And I had to put a hand on my heart and do deep breathing and ask little Kristen to come sit on my lap. And what I saw was the little girl uh, at recess who the other kids thought she was weird Mm. and they didn't want to play with her. And I was like, oh, okay. That's what's coming up. Because I heard something uh, inside of me say, who is the self that you think that you're protecting? And I was like, oh. Right. So it's, it's that little girl self. But what I know, the spiritual truth I know, is that we are all one. And that I'm not the only person that has a little girl like that. And what this is actually going to do is allow me to be seen on such a level that the kids who really want to play with me can come find me. Yeah. And the kids who I'm not right to play with, they can go play a different game. They don't need to play with
0: totally. me. Totally. And I remember when I got your message and uh, I sent you a message back, was kind of saying, well, I think this sounds like freedom to me. I think... That I know for myself, I've spent like really my whole life just trying to make everybody like me and also trying to make life only good. Like, I don't know how many times I've used the hashtag life is for joy because that's all I want. I just want life to feel like joy and fun and dancing in Paris. 247, and I want everyone to like me and I want everything I do to be the right decision. <laughs> and I want, um, you know, I, I just want it to all go my way. And, and part of, and I think there's an Eckhart Tolle quote around it that says that's actually what suffering is mm. where you set something up that's not possible to achieve and then get upset when it doesn't work. And so what I was thinking when you were saying all of this was like, wow, we live our lives so afraid of what people will think about us. As an example, we live our lives in fear of a lot of things, right? Like the the other shoe dropping is what we're afraid of. But in life, the other shoe always drops and not because we're a bad person or we made the wrong choice or there's some karmic debt to pay because life is designed in dual. It's sometimes night and sometimes day and sometimes it rains and sometimes it's sunny and We are in bodies that are decaying. And so it's a truth that no matter how much we might fight for eternal life, the body's decaying at the same moment. And suffering is when we don't accept it in in all its parts. That there will always be the person who loves what you put out. And there will always be the person who doesn't. And both of those players are perfectly chosen to give you the peaceful balance of just doing your own work, knowing that it'll always bother someone and always uplift someone else and none of it actually matters. So once you start to really face the the feeling of, I'm so scared this person isn't going to like me. And then once it happens where you put yourself out there and they really don't like you, then you grieve and you feel the deep pain of that. And then you move on and you say, oh, now I'm free. Now I don't have to live my life trying to make sure that that inevitable thing doesn't happen. Now I already know people don't like me. I already know it's going to rain sometimes. I already know I'm going to make decisions that are going to blow up financially and not be the quote unquote right thing. I already know I'm going to write this project and it's going to be a flop. I already know that all of that is on the table. So now I get the freedom of making something outside of the condition of how it's going to land and what people are going to think about it. And now I just get to be and do whatever I want. Yes. And that reminds
1: me of when Ram Das talks about whenever we are in attachment or aversion. So wanting this, but not wanting this, we are not free mm-hmm. at the moment that we can just notice that we get into those attachments and aversions and go, What happens if I become the person who can watch my attachments and my aversions and still continue to do every, to take the actions that are right for me to take? Mm. And he talks about consecrating them, which is saying, I am doing what I do and I'm giving it to life.
0: Mm. It goes
1: back to the Bhagavad Gita, how you and I always talk about we are entitled to our actions, but not the fruits of our actions. Mm -hmm. We are... Uh, we are entitled to take that stuff. We can do all the things we do and enjoy doing those things,
0: but everything else that happens afterwards—that's that's it. That's it. That's not us. And you know what? It gets really interesting. And for me, this is where we start making art that transcends the conversation, and this is where we start becoming creators that transcend the normal. Let's call it the normal human capacity is this is a practice that I've been playing with. When someone is triggered by me, right? The, the normal tendency is to say that I, I feel victimized by that. I, I feel um, blamed for something or I feel like upset that that person is triggered by me or in your case, like this, this creation that I've made. And the powerful question in the moment isn't to say, how do I make them stop? The powerful question is, who was I being that stirred that up in them? Not that I take responsibility for what someone else's experience is, but I'm curious what I was representing because I know it's not personal, right? It's something inside of them that's gotten stirred up. So what was I being energetically that, that stirred that thing up? And if we start to notice it without blame and shame and guilting and judging and thinking that there's a problem to fix, then we actually see that as one of our most powerful places. Yes. Oh, there's a place in me that when I really stand for it, oh, it causes something in the world. Oh, well, that's called power, right? And so how can I, instead of hiding that or putting it away or saying there's something wrong about it, how can I channel it? into who I want to be and what I want to make? How can I channel it to goodness? How can I channel it into creativity? Because that's actually like wherever the trigger is, is actually the power.
1: Yes. And I love to play with the practice of since we are all one, if someone does judge me, I can see whatever comes up is a part of something that's in me and go, oh, that's a chance to make amends to that part in me. So here's this person judging me. So I now get to make amends with the part of me that judges me. That's right. So that I get to go back and love that part of me and go, oh, hi, hi, I
0: love you. You're safe. I'm sorry. Yeah. In your example of, you know, the kids on the playground thinking you were weird, were there moments when you were writing something where you're like, oh, I'm such a weird girl, or, or were there moments where All you were... All the
1: time. <laughs> oh, I think I'm the weirdest. I, and I kind of love my weirdness because it's just who I am. Like, I cannot help be a gypsy bohemian psychic like that's just who I am (laughs) you want to come play that game I have that game to play and I had one of my students I shared really vulnerably in one of my writing classes (laughs) and one of my students said oh my little boy so wants to come play with your little girl Mm -hmm. we would have had so much fun at recess together and actually we need each other us artists us people who are available to catch a new vision and to bring it to the world, we actually need each other to reflect back to each other. Yeah, it's totally scary to think about getting ostracized from the tribe. And we are the ones who lead the tribe. We are the one that show the tribe which way to go.
0: Mm. So we can't stop it. When you, um, you know, you have this collection of poems, how many poems are in the book? Do you know I have absolutely no idea? There's do, so many.
1: But I know, it's, it's not a long book. It's like 148 pages.
0: I mean, that feels long to me, but <laughs> all relative. <laughs>
1: um, all relative.
0: Um, what would you say are the common things that were coming up in the poems and in you when you were writing them?
1: Uh, individuation.
0: Mm.
1: Relationship with The divine, self-love, codependency, sexuality, play, desire, adventure,
0: exploration. Mm -hmm. Those are the main themes. What is it you think little Kristen wanted desperately the world to know about those things? Well, really, it's,
1: you know, when it comes down to it, there's a lot of me talking about how fun it is to live in with uncertainty and trust at the same time. Mm. You know, holding one in each hand. There is a lot about expression and to give ourselves permission to have expression, permission to ask questions, permission to go into the places that seem scary
0: or taboo.
1: Courage. I think maybe I'm giving myself courage in the yeah. process of writing it. Um, what I want to give others is what I want to give myself: yeah. is is courage to follow that inner direction, which relates back to what we were talking about <clears throat> last week with the the stories that you inherit. And I think that's why I got so obsessed with the Eve myth of wait, all she did was follow her desire and her curiosity. That is what I feel called to do all the time. And the deeper I go in relationship with the divine, it's like, oh yeah, listen to that, follow that, keep going. That is me. That is me talking to you. And so I had gotten so confused by that myth because I was like, well, the desire and curiosity within her was God saying, go this way. Mm. So she was actually listening to the most divine thing inside of her And then why did that become this story that then many people use in terms of shame?
0: I want to say that in my experience of your poems, because I've seen them kind of evolve, you know, Um, and I've gotten to read many, many drafts and many versions. And it was always my delight when we were in Paris to No, get together for like a croissant in the morning and read pages. And I would never have any pages. I was just, you know, too busy eating croissant and having sex. So I was just like reading your pages all the time.
1: (laughs) You really know how to do Paris.
0: (laughs) Um, But I remember one poem that struck such a chord in my heart. Um, I don't know if it's in the book or not. If not, you're going to have to just release it now because all of our audience will be so curious about it. What washes away? Yes, that's that one was of my the, I think the, Yeah. And I remember reading it and feeling like it was my own inner voice talking to me. And there was something so sacred about oh, this is universal. It felt so individual, it felt so private and so um intimate inside of me that the fact that someone else was word for word echoing those innermost scary feelings was the reason i got so mad at you <laughs> because it felt like there feels to me the the sense of unconditional love is kind of the thing that we're all missing because everything is about separation Everything is about how are we different and how can we differentiate ourselves from each other and then find someone who is quote unquote different and make them wrong, make them the enemy, make them the thing that we don't want. And so there was something about returning home to that real sense of wholeness, but not from a place of we're all love, from the place of we're all deeply wounded and scared.
1: Yeah, and that, human- that humanness, our humanity is as divi- divine as the light inside of us. Yeah. That it's not about trying to get rid of that part. It's about embracing that. I heard this great Ram Dass talk where he talk, He spoke about the first half of his career, he was teaching everybody how to get high. And the second half of his career, he was teaching everyone to get grounded again. That we need the whole thing. Yeah. It's not that one is better. Um, it's the entire entirety of it all uh should i read that poem please okay
0: Um, oh my gosh what a treat (laughs) will you vamp while i pull it up (laughs) (laughs) i will vamp it is um i just want everyone to know it's a hundred degrees in paris today come on she is hot and bothered (laughs) that's how we like our french that's how we like it Um, I also
1: just want to say that my sweet friend Brent French made all these beautiful drawings throughout the book. I love them oh, so they're so beautiful. Much. Yeah. Oh, and I'm just, it, it's, it's fun just when you make a movie or a play. So many people come together for the creation of it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. It's and, and it becomes everybody's project. It becomes everybody's joy. It becomes everybody's, you know, the, the teammates all rooting to win the game together.
1: Yeah, it's like once the baby is born, it no longer yeah. belongs to you. It belongs to the community. Yeah. All right, I got it. Right, shall we do it?
0: Oh, let's do it. Ooh, I feel scared and vulnerable again. <laughs> <Woo>!
1: <laughs> what washes away? Yesterday, I got caught in such a fear storm, feelings banging around my body, thoughts a jumbled hurricane of what if ripping apart my peace and drowning me in a sea of absolutely not fear. It came and passed. With it, something inside of me was washed away. I am being asked to let go of outcomes, and I am watching myself cling to them like a lifeboat. I want something to keep me safe and dry, the promise of a promised land. Life says, nope, baby, I'm teaching you to swim. Speaking my fears aloud is a lesson in buoyancy. Can I stay with myself when I am scared, when my mind gets loud and full of judgment without trying to fix anything? Without apology, can I go through my human pain, my floundering with great empathy? I'm saving myself with my compassion for myself. When I let go, I float. Thank you, Kristen, for being brave. Isn't that the real lifesaver when the seas get unkind? To see my honesty as bravery, to weather the discomfort, to be with myself in the process of the dark, rough nights. Maybe the storm has its own joy. It's teaching me to clear my mind more. It's teaching me the power of presence. It's teaching me that even if I think I see clouds approaching inside of me, There's a place that can't be touched. My safety is within. And when I rest there, I am always safe. When I know the stillness, I can head into the unknown. Maybe that is walking on water. The storm washes away all that is not us. So we know the place within that no storm can touch. The storm Directs us to the places inside that are immovable. The storm teaches us who we are.
0: Oh! Clapping, clapping! Wow! Thank you. How do you? Thank feel? you. How do you feel? I feel good. <laughs> I feel self-expressed. So beautiful, Kristen. It, it's a it's amazing gift, and it's amazing to know how easily and readily you stand for everyone else's gifts and, and then what it takes to just stand for yours. I, that line of um, speaking my fears out loud is a lesson in buoyancy. And I think about what's going on in our world right now and a global pandemic and millions of people in the U.S. Uh, on unemployment and everything that's washing away. There's a lot that's washing away in our entire world. The Lebanon explosion, the you know travel bans and separation, and so much fear and so much sickness and so much chaos. And I remember there was a point where you said, I can't possibly release this book now. It just seems so irrelevant and so stupid and so (laughs) not the right moment. And I hear those words and I think, no, this too was divine because for anyone who the thing they were clinging to has now washed away. I know for myself, there has never been more panic and fear and aloneness and deep, deep isolation than in those moments where the things I cling to for my own identity were starting to fall away. And I think that in a world where we are getting to rebuild and see what doesn't wash away, I think that This message, as well as the message of what is your desire, because that is the thing that's also not washing away. And what is your sexuality, because that's not washing away. And what is your expression and what does your heart want? And so, for me, every single poem in the book represents the thing that's there when everything else goes. And it's a love letter to that thing inside of you, and thus to that thing in all of us. And so I think it's the most wonderful gift. And I think this is the perfect time for it. And I am honored and proud and delighted of you and no longer angry at you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I so appreciate your anger and I so appreciate you pushing me because I needed it. And what a gift that is to have someone who sees you and who will keep encouraging you and saying, no, this way, walk this way.
0: And that's what the create community is all about. We all need a midwife when we're about to give birth, you know, you need someone to help catch the baby. That's just how it goes, you know, and we raise the baby together. We, you know, this is, this is the whole point. This is why we created create. And so for you to be such an embodiment of it in leadership in a moment in time when uh, I think all of us are, are desperately seeking, who can I look to for inspiration and hope and joy I'm really proud of you for being visible enough that we can look at you.
1: I feel like this episode might be called We All Need a Midwife. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so true. Um, So true. I know we want to wrap up, but I just want to quickly share with our listeners this little nugget that Rob Bell gave me when I called him this week and I said, tell me about the Eve story. (laughs) Because I got on the phone with him and it feels really connected to this book. I was like, I have to know, I have to know your interpretation. I was like, and if you've already talked about it in a podcast or in a book, just point me in that direction. He's like, Oh, hold on. I don't know if I have, but all right. Um, And this is what he says in the, in the Rob. He took took a beat and he said, breaking the rules is a sign of growing into maturity. Yeah. He says one, he said, only one who has broken the rules can have true connection to the divine. So it makes me think about how uh, teenagers have to push away from home and leave the nest. You know, it's a sign of individuation in order to become who they are. So he's like, it's not sinning. It's growing up. Mm. And he talked about the idea of original sin was something that was invented in 400 A.D., St. Augustine and the rule of the Constantine Empire, and so I guess Constantine, this emperor, lived most of his most of his life as a pagan and then conver- converted into Christianity. But he ruled with violence, and that's when the idea of being good and being bad was politically motivated to keep people in line. So, mm. how do we rule? We make them afraid. It, mm. it was conceived by a government. Let's use this to control people. We're gonna. We're gonna preach to them original sin. So he said, what it's done is for the last 1600 years, it's cut ourselves off from our intuition that because we don't realize the deepest thing within us is good. Oh. So I know I'm like just taking quick notes everywhere as he's talking to me. So then I go, but why banish Rob? Like, why does she have to get banished in the sense of humanity are, are on her? And he goes, well, We need conflict. That's what makes the whole story go. He's like, you're a storyteller, right? Every protagonist has to have an inciting incident. You have to go wander. You have to go on a journey in order to know yourself. So he said, her curiosity and desire started the whole story in motion. It was actually necessary, and then he pointed me in the direction of this woman named Ellen Frankel. And she's a scholar in Jewish doctrine. And she wrote an, a feminist interpretation of the Torah, which also includes Lilith. And it's called The Five Books of Miriam. And he's like, go read this book. And I'm like, absolutely on it. That's my, my next book to order. Wow. And he talked about the idea of uh, Felix Culpa, which is a happy crime. So we don't know how much we are loved until we are forgiven. Um, So you're already forgiven. And even by yourself, right? So sometimes you have to do things just so you can forgive yourself so that you can know how what true love is inside your own heart. Mm. And so the analogy is in all of our lives, you have to make a mess to understand the depth of love and grace and forgiveness that is baked into the whole story. So it is permission to experiment and it's, mm. it's really a sign of maturity when you give yourself that permission and I was like crying as he's telling me all of this and I was like Rob my whole life I was tried to be the good girl and he's yeah. like and you don't have to anymore so now let's see what you do
0: <laughs> oh man it's so interesting how all roads lead to that, I just finished this free seven-day mini course, and it's all about integrating the shadow. But specifically, it's, it's integrating that there is a part of me that is a savior. There's a part of me that wants to help and give. And also integrating that part of me has holiness and also has the part in it that says, and if I do this for that person, then they'll like me. And so there's a transaction in it, there's a manipulation in it. And so you see that everything is motivated dually. It's yes. the 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 magnet has two sides, you know? And so the the part of me that's a victim is is tr- is truly authentically feeling that way. And there's another part of me that doesn't have to take responsibility if I'm in that position, right? And then the part of me that's the perpetrator. And in that position, I have the most power and control. But also in that position, I don't have to feel victimized. And, and, and so there's this whole uh, paradox of how no matter what position you find yourself in, there's light and dark to all of it. And so there's something in the even, I want to say, manipulation of living as the good girl who never gets in trouble that is sa- completely self-abandoning so that she doesn't face consequences she doesn't think she can handle. Yes. And so she never knows her power. Yes. As opposed to the one who totally gets in trouble because of there's an integrity inside that says, no, this is who I am. This is what I want. This is who I came to be. And, and then that person can land in the world of narcissism too, right? So everything is all moving. And it's really about how can we just see... What's the next impulse? And can I know that everything I am and everything I do is going to have light and dark to it? Everything. People will like me, people won't. I'll do my best and, you know, there'll be good things about it and there'll be bad things about it. And if I can stop trying to live my life by just only owning the quote-unquote light parts, good parts, accepted parts then I actually start to get to know myself. And I do believe that for anyone who is curious about what that might look like for them. I do believe opening up your book and reading a poem a day and journaling about what you're feeling, what you get triggered by, what comes up for you, what you feel um, excited by, what relates to you, what doesn't is such a beautiful way to leave that space of where we've abandoned and start to return home.
1: Oh, so good, Natalie. So speaking of your shadow class,
0: <laughs> yeah. can you tell our listeners what wonderful thing you have? Well, if you're not yet a member of the Create Community Facebook page, I just did a free seven-day course. And every, every day I posted a new video that has a meditation and an exercise and a, a lecture. And each video is like 20, 25 minutes long. And it's a real way to start diving into some of the stuff that we've been talking about is totally free. The videos are, are posted as announcements on the Create Community Facebook page. Um, and if you want to come and check those out, then, then that's totally available for you. And in addition, I'm taking that same kind of curriculum and extending it into a longer eight-week course, which is going to start in October. So I would invite anyone who's interested to to just spend some time with the mini course. And if anything resonates or rings for you at all, just send me an email and we can talk about if the eight week deep dive could be a good fit for you because um, it's an intense, very transformative, very empowering thing. And um, I would love to walk people through it if they feel called to it. Um, And I would recommend going to the free course first to see if it's for you. Oh, that's so good. Um, so fun. Um, it, and if you want to find me, it's um, you can either message me via the Create Community Facebook page or you can just email me. It's my name, Natalie, Lynn, L-Y-N-N, Roy at gmail.com.
1: Um, that's so good, Nat. And I can just say, watching you go through the process of what, this, this work in your own life and then what you've offered just even in the free mini course has been so transformational for people that I, I, I know what you provide and it is absolutely life-changing. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, if anyone's interested in my book, I just who want wouldn't it. be after this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can pre-order I it. i be mad at you if you don't order it. I will I, find you. <laughs> Uh, it's still on pre-launch because so you can order it for, for on Amazon. Uh, but if you go to the Create Facebook page, you can find the link. It's also on a link in my bio on my Instagram, which is at Love. And one of these days, I am going to get it together and I'm going to put it on our, our Create website and on my own website. But that, That's on all my to-do list for this week. Um, I also <laughs> want to tell people I, you know, like I hear things in meditation and I know that's the next thing to do one of the downloads that I received is a class that I am to teach, which goes hand in hand with the book is healing the wounds of the second chakra. So that's healing the wounds around around our sexuality and our creativity. It's so funny. um, I started to receive this class in meditation and, and downloading some things. And then I got an email from someone asking me if I would teach a class like this. And I was like, I already heard from Spirit. Oh, I am on it. So uh, that class starts in September. So it starts the second week of September. So if you want to know more about that, I have a email that you can, it's Henge classes at gmail.com. So my name, K-R-I-S-T-I-N-H-A-N-G-G-I classes at gmail.com. And we'll give you all the info about that.
0: So exciting.
1: It's so fun to be alive and to go through this process together.
0: And to know that, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, that that creative engine does not stop running. And that inner game is alive and well and ready to play with us. And for everything that washes away, there is a chance to, to go even deeper inside. And I do believe what we find there will blow our minds
1: yes we are always under construction just like the apartment building right outside my window <laughs> um we love you thank you for being with us and being in our community thank you for listening to my journey and for being a part of it and thank you to my very best friend who's been holding my hand the whole
0: time Such a pleasure Thank you so much for listening. We love to
1: feel like we have friends all over the world in you who are committed to doing their dream on the
0: planet. And if you like this podcast and you want to find out more about what we're doing, or who we are, our pop-up classes, our online classes, you can check all of that out at the
1: And if you want to be part of our Facebook community, you can go to the Create Community page. That's C, period R, period E,
0: period A, period T, period E period community. And if you loved this podcast, why not share it with a friend?